Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Last time on the Fan of History, in 967 BC, the king of Assyria dies, Simon dies, and his mummy has never been found. King Mu of the Zhou dynasty in China fought the dog people and was victorious. What happened in the 950s, Dan? We don't know anything that happened in the 950s, so thank you for listening to this episode. No, actually, we have one dated event, but that one is surely legendary, but it, as it is the only event we actually know happened in this decade, uh, or might have happened in this decade, I'll talk about it. And it's a guy called Tersippus, who dies in 952 BC. Tersippus is assumed to be the king of Athens, and he dies after a reign of 41 years, and is succeeded by his son Forbas. But this is probably just a legend. Um, because Greek is deep in the Dark Age and Athens is not what you think Athens is because it's a very small village and um, this might be a chance to talk about Greek Greece in the Dark Age because in the 13th century BC Greece was the powerful Mycenaean civilization that fought the Trojan War and Athens was actually a Mycenaean city as were many other places in Greece. But uh, that's all gone. All the cities are gone. The writing is gone. Uh, the trading networks are mostly gone. Uh, so what happened to Greece? Uh, a lot of things probably. And we'll talk about that uh, if we ever get to cover 1200 BC. But the main thing was the invasion of the Dorians. And... Um, when the Greeks later in the classical age talk about the Dorian invasion, they talk about the Dorians like the sons of Heracles who came back to claim the land that was once owned by this famous demigod called Hercules by the Romans. So the Dorians are a nomadic people. Uh, they are shepherds and they invade and they take over most of Greece in 
uh, the 12th century BC. But some areas are not invaded by the Dorians, but they are still thrown into the Dark Age. Uh, and we have a population loss of maybe 90% in Greece, which is uh, enormous. It's so drastic. And it's hard for us to imagine how bad the situation in Greece is. Because if you want to survive in the Dorian, in the post-Dorian invasion Greece, you have to become a nomadic herdsman. So you have to abandon your cities. There's Nobody's living in the Mycenaean ruins because it's too dangerous. Uh, in Attica, where Athens is, and on the islands, especially on the island of Euboea, uh, the second largest island in the Ionian Sea after Crete, and in the Ionian Islands, the, the Achaeans, the Mycenaean Greece, survives. And they will start to pick up the pieces soon. Uh, there are possibly some sort of sea going going on. There are ships in Athens and Attica. Uh, and they probably run into Phoenicians. Uh, because the Phoenicians are already trading in the Mediterranean. Or they have been doing that for quite some time. And it will be the Phoenicians who bring back, the Phoenicians who live in uh, what is today Syria and Lebanon on the sea coast. Uh, and they will be the people who bring uh, Greece writing again. So when the Greeks pick up writing, they will not pick up their old style of writing, not Mycenaean writing called Linear B. Because Linear B is an extremely complicated language. And the Phoenician alphabetic system that we still use today is much easier to use. Uh, so Greek will be brought back from the Dark Age eventually. And there will be a lot of things going on in Greece, of course, in this podcast. But uh, right now, in the 950s BC, Greek, Greece is about as bad as the rest of Europe. Um, there is also a civilization called the Phrygians, who live north of Greece in Macedon and in Bulgaria and Romania. And in Turkey. And the Phrygians will also help bring Greece back. But uh, people have a hard time believing how, how bad Greece was hit by this. And by the Bronze Age collapse generally. But if you look at archaeology in Greece it's truly depressing at this time. Because you see like the, the big abandoned cities and uh, yeah, the, everything is just gone. They, they can't have nice stuff during this period, pretty much. <laughs> so Tersippus, if he was the king of Athens, he was the king of a pretty sad Athens. Uh, we can talk briefly about the situation in three countries. Uh, Susanus II is the pharaoh in Egypt, and he might be identical to the high priest, Susanus III of Amun. So Egypt might or might not be unified now in the 21st dynasty. Uh, Assyria is still around and Tiglath-Pileser II is the king. Uh, the name Tiglath-Pileser, some of the Assyrian king's names are really strange. Because their names actually sound like Babylonian king's names. They are really long and strange. But Tiglath-Pileser is the name the Greeks gave uh, the next king with the name Tiglath-Pileser III. Because they couldn't pronounce his name. So these kings have come down to us as Tiglath-Pileser. But uh, their name was actually much more complicated than that. In uh, India, Kuru is a strong kingdom in the north. And we don't know a whole lot. 
that there is one place where there is an event that we could date to this, but only by to this decade, but only by archaeology, and that is Mexico, where the Olmecs are the one true civilization in the Americas. There is nothing in the north and south of America, but just in Mesoamerica, we have the Olmecs doing great things and uh, the Mayans staring at them from the Yucatan and the Mayans are still quite primitive. Uh, the Olmec civilization did not... Uh, their, their main center, San Lorenzo, was a ceremonial site without walls. So people came there for religious purposes. And it had at this time about 5,500 people living in the ceremonial complex. And about 8,000 more people living nearby, probably supporting it then from farms and stuff. And in this decade, in about the 950s BC, San Lorenzo suffers horribly. There is a huge problem in San Lorenzo. And archaeologists can't make up their mind what actually happened. So I will assume that everything that they have claimed happened... So the situation in San Lorenzo is that there is warfare and we don't know anything about politics in the Olme among the Olmecs as we can't read what they wrote. But there is warfare. There is a destruction layer in San Lorenzo. There is environmental change. The climate is changing. And San Lorenzo is located at a very um, specific spot that it, in about two, 300 years later, this spot will become inhabitable. You can't live in San Lorenzo, pretty much. It'll become a desert. Uh, there is The environmental change causes the rivers to change their course. So the rivers that supported San Lorenzo are gone <laughs> at this time. There are also other religious centers appearing in the Olmec civilization that are like, oh, come over here and worship the gods here instead. And also the trading networks uh, are brought down Probably because of the other reasons. But the, the economic boom of San Lorenzo ends here. So it seems to be a really bad place to, um, to be in in the 950s BC. But San Lorenzo will prevail a couple of years more. So it doesn't end here. But uh, they're having great problems in San Lorenzo. Okay. What's going on in China? Yes, King Mu, the great king, the legendary king, the greatest king of the Su dynasty, is the king of China. He is more ambitious than wise, and we don't know anything he did in the 950s BC. So I, I figured I will take this uh, opportunity to talk about the legends about King Mu, because at the end of the Su dynasty, the people of China, that's five, six hundred years later than this, the people of China look to King Mu as a figure of ancient history when the Su dynasty was strong and China was strong. So they start making stories about King Mu. And in particular, two stories come down to us that I would like to talk about now. The first is the tale of King Mu, the son of heaven, which is a long tale about how King Mu traveled to the Kunlun mountains in the west to uh, talk to the gods. And he brought... Uh, a charioteer who drove his chariot to the mountains. And he runs into a lot of... It's sort of an epic quest. 
uh, where he uh, falls in love with the goddess and a uh, lot of strange things happen to him. It's like, it's like a fantasy novel. But the one story about King Mu that I really want to talk about, it's just because it's super weird, is the time when King Mu met a robot. So there is a text from the 3rd century BC uh, called the Liesi, where this story is told. So I'll, I'll talk uh, from this translation here. Uh, there is an artificer called Yan Chi who builds stuff and he has brought this robot to the court of King Mu. The king stared at the figure in astonishment. It walked with rapid strides, moving its head up and down so that anyone would have taken it for a live human being. The artificer touched its chin and it began singing perfectly in tune. He touched its hand and it began posturing, keeping perfect time. As the performance was drawing to an end, the robot winked its eye and made advances to the ladies in attendance, whereupon the king became incensed and would have had Yan Chi executed on the spot, had not the latter, in mortal fear, instantly taken the robot to pieces to let the king see what it really was. And indeed, it turned out to be only a construction of leather, wood, adhesive and lacquer, variously colored white, black, red and blue. Examining it closely, the king found all the internal organs complete, liver, gall, heart, lungs, spleens, kidneys, stomach and intestines, and over these again, muscles, bones and limbs with their joints, skin, teeth and hair, all of them artificial. The king tried the effect of taking away the heart and found that the mouth could no longer speak. He took away the liver and the eyes could no longer see. He took away the kidneys and the leg lost their powers of locomotion. The king was delighted. So the robot is brought to the court and the robot starts hitting on the girls of the court. Possibly then King Mu's courtesans. And King Mu becomes really angry and wants to destroy the robot. But Artifice is like, it's just my robot! And takes it apart to show, so to save the robot. So I don't know why anybody would write this in the 3rd century BC. And why they would write it about King Mu. But it's just, just something we have about him. He also seems to be a patron of the arts and the oldest piece of written music in history we have, which is quite controversial, there are other claims, and it's recorded 700, uh, 1700 years later in the Tang Dynasty, is uh, a piece of music from King Mu's time called the Entrance Hymn for the Emperor. And of course, King Mu was not called the emperor. That's a later invention. But we'll put that at the end of this podcast. You can listen to what music might have sounded like in the 950s BC. Uh, it seems that the oldest recorded song is also by the Chinese. But at this time, there are no lyrics to the music. And it's actually Confucius himself that will write that song, and we'll talk about that in uh, <laughs> very much later. Confucius, the the great uh, Chinese philosopher, who said, I, I, "I'm a big fan of his." He said, uh, "What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others." Um, so, if anybody wonders where that originated, that's 
Yeah, he said a lot of great things. That's one of my favorites. He said a lot of good things. He influences China still today, and he he lives in an age called uh, the Hundred Schools of Thought, that we'll talk a lot about, uh, uh, a lot <laughs> much later than this. Uh, there are also some interesting inventions made in China at this time or about this time, and it's uh, they actually invented dictionary, which gets reinvented a lot later. But they have dictionaries, so the Chinese are putting down stuff in writing. Most of their writing material is uh, has not come down to us because, unlike the Egyptians and the Assyrians, they're not writing in stone. But we have some. Uh, they also invent the kite at this time. The rest of the world is also inventing stuff. So uh, I like to mention four things that are invented in the rest of the world. That's uh, peanut cultivation is invented in Peru and Brazil. And peanut cultivation might actually be the reason that we get a new civilization to talk about. And I put that in the 930s episode. So uh, in two episodes you'll hear about a new South American civilization. And they are cultivating peanuts. Uh, one other surprising invention from this century is ice skates. 3000 years old. Uh, they invent knitting. I don't know where, but they do it during this century. And also the first use of a magnet. Do we know who invented the uh, ice, ice skates or magnets? Uh, I think we do. I don't right now. Uh, but uh, I think that's known. So I have to come back. And that's all we have from the 950s BC. Actually, it was a lot more than what we actually have from the 950s BC because we have nothing. Uh, okay. Well, and next time on the 940s, uh, Egypt will be attacked. Uh, Susinus uh, dies and a new dynasty takes over. And we're going to talk about the orcs of the 10th century BC, uh, the savage Arameans, and Tiglath Pileser II strikes back. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening to this. Please uh, check out our YouTube channel, Fan of History. Subscribe, like, and share. Give us reviews on iTunes, etc. Any kind of feedback is welcome. If you have questions, if you have stuff you want to hear on this podcast, uh, do you like the length of the podcast? Is there anything else we should talk about? Uh, let us know. Yeah, let us know if there's any any format changes, any specific topics topics you guys would like us to cover from these time periods that you know about, or or you know if you're happy with the length and the format and everything else. If there's any extra materials you guys are interested in, let us know because we can we can produce that and um, and get it out to you guys so you guys can enjoy the podcast more. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 